1 John chapter 5, verse 13, we are getting near the end of this study, not there yet, but heading that direction, and tonight we'll just look at one verse, verse 13, for the time that we have this evening, and John said, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Throughout our study of 1 John, as you are aware, if you've been with us throughout this study for the most part, and we've outlined eight tests by which believers are to examine themselves, and these tests reveal the authenticity of one's professed relationship and fellowship with the Lord. Again, I'll mention these tests to you as I have over the past several weeks just briefly. We find in chapter 2, verses 3 through 6, the obedience test, chapter 2, verse 7 through 14, the love test, chapter 2, 15 through 17, the life test, chapter 2, 18 through 24, the truth test, chapter 2, 25 through 29, the righteousness test, chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, the sanctification test, chapter 4, 1 through 6, the discernment test, and chapter 4, 15 through 18, the fear test or the perfect or perfect love. And our last study of this epistle included our examination of verses 10 through 12. We read verse 10, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. So within this verse, we saw that John emphasized the truths he has previously declared throughout the previous chapters of this epistle. And if one genuinely believes in Jesus as the Son of God, then he will have the Spirit of Christ, the very Holy Spirit of God, dwelling within his life. And to possess the Holy Spirit will result in one possessing a love for God, a love for His truth, a love for His righteousness, a love for His people, and even a love for His judgments. And the Psalms teach us that clearly, where uh, David and others would speak concerning the judgments of God, the truth of God, the righteous judgments of God, and so on. So if one does not believe God's record of His Son, or does not submit to the truth of the Lordship of Jesus Christ as God's Son, that person does not possess the Spirit of God. And that's what John is saying here in this passage. God's record of Jesus Christ is that He is the beloved Son in whom He is well pleased. And God's record also is that Jesus Christ is Lord. In verse 11, we go on and see where John says, and this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. So if we have the Son, we have eternal life. The Scripture goes on to say, He who has a Son has life, remember? And he who has not the Son hath not life. And so we understand in verse 12, he goes on to explain that. We understand that Jesus himself is life. He's not only the giver of life, he's not only the source of life, he's not only the author of life, he himself is life. And as we've discovered, John's gospel record and his first epistle are very similar in their introduction, which both declare Jesus is the life. Again, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, the gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Then in 1 John 1, 1 through 3, the epistle, he says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. Notice, if you will, before we read verse 3, that John states here that, that word, the word of life, for the life was manifested, verse 2, and he goes on to say, that he, and show unto you, we, we've seen and heard and we've, we've dealt and experienced life with the word of life, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say that he is that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. And that ties in with what John is saying in our, even tonight's text. 
That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us, John says in verse 3. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So to have Jesus is not only to have life, but as John has said in chapter uh, 1 of this epistle and as well in verse 13 of this epistle and other parts of this epistle, we've seen that to have Jesus is not only to have life, but is to have eternal life, for Jesus is life eternal. Eternal life is in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have Jesus Christ, you have eternal life. If you have eternal life, it's only because you have Jesus Christ. Now, let me clarify this quickly before we move forward. It's important that we recognize and differentiate the difference and understand the difference between eternal life and eternal death or eternal existence. And so we know that for the believer, we have eternal life because we have Christ. But yet the unbeliever uh, is not just eradicated at the time of his earthly physical death, but rather he enters into eternal death. And when I say eternal death, it's eternal existence and eternal uh, consciousness and eternal, he he will forever be and eternal uh, in eternity, but yet it's eternally dying, not eternally living. And so only believers possess eternal life, while the unbeliever is going to experience eternal death, a death that never ends is the reality of it. And so we must understand that there is a difference there. Verse 12 goes on to say, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. So again, John makes it clear that one's claim to eternal life or an eternity with the Lord in heaven, because that's what we're speaking of. When we speak of eternal life, it's not limited only to an eternity in heaven, but those who experience an eternity in heaven will only do so because they possess eternal life. But yet we must recognize that, that an eternity with the Lord in heaven is only as genuine, one's claim to this is only as genuine as the relationship and fellowship one has with Jesus Christ. Furthermore, such a relationship and fellowship with Christ will be evidenced within one's life by these eight tests which John provides within this epistle. And so again, one will claim that they have that they're going to spend an eternity in heaven. Oh, I know when I die I'm going to heaven, but hear me, that claim is only as genuine and authentic as one's relationship and fellowship right now with Jesus Christ. So to claim you have an eternity in heaven is is going to be that that is actually going to be revealed the 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 genu, genuineness of such a claim is revealed by one's relationship and fellowship right now in the present with the Lord Jesus Christ. So this idea, oh, I'm going to heaven when I die. Well, hear me closely. And you say when they say, well, how do you know that? Why? Because when I was so and so, I asked Jesus in my heart, or when I was. This age, I went to an altar and I prayed and asked God to save me. When I, no, hear me. John is, is, is exposing the error in such claims throughout this entire epistle. And what he is saying is, your eternal life, is, your claim to eternal life, is only as genuine as your relationship and fellowship with Jesus Christ in the present. Because here's the thing, eternal life is eternal life, which means I possess it at the moment I am born again. Though I have not experienced it in its fullness, and, and I will continue to experience throughout all of eternity, hence eternal life. But yet, the truth of the matter is, the claim to eternal life is only as genuine as one's relationship and fellowship right now with the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, this is an evidence that is clear throughout this epistle. So although this portion of John's epistle is a summarization of the truths John has declared throughout this epistle, 
This portion of the epistle is significantly important regarding the overall message within the epistle. It's not only a summarization, but it has significance in relation to the emphasis that John provides throughout the epistle. And the question which John has answered in great detail throughout this epistle is one which he directly addresses within this portion of the epistle. The question is this, how do we know or how do we understand what is the foolproof evidence that one is in a genuine relationship and biblical fellowship with God the Father and with His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let's look at verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. So this verse is the sum of all John has declared within this entire epistle. Understand, it's not only a summarization of all the truths, this is the sum itself of the truth that John has declared. So John's entire purpose for writing this epistle was to confirm the testimony of Jesus Christ. And John had seen, he had heard, he had experienced life with the Lord Jesus and could stand as an eyewitness of the person and deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yet, John's purpose was not simply to validate a truth, but his purpose was to emphasize that if one was in a relationship with the Lord, then the corresponding fellowship with the Lord will be as authentic as the person and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me clarify this, and let me explain this before we move into the study further. I said to you a moment ago, one's professed claim to eternal life is only as genuine and authentic as one's present relationship and therefore fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But John is also showing us here that if one is in relationship with the Lord genuinely, then the fellowship with the Lord that is a result of that relationship with the Lord will be as authentic as the person and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. In other words, to claim that we have a relationship with Christ and yet we have no fellowship with Christ is not to know Christ at all. In chapters 1, verses 1 through 3, notice again what John says, "...that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life, for the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ." Notice what John says. Again, we've read this a couple of times already this evening. But in chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, John says, We have seen that which was from the beginning. And again, referring back to his gospel account, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. And here he says, that which was, who was from the beginning, so again, a, a, a throwback to his gospel record, he says, we have heard, we have seen with our eyes, we have looked upon, again, meaning looked upon means we have beheld him. We have gazed upon him. He has is, is captured our attention is what John is saying. He's not just being redundant and saying, oh, my eyes have seen him and then I've looked on him. No, he's saying, I've seen him, I've heard him, and that's brought me to, I'm consumed by him. That's what John is saying. I'm, I'm beholding him, I'm over, overwhelmed by him, by that which I have heard and that which I have seen of him. And then he says, our hands have handled. He's saying, this is personal. We, we have touched the Lord Jesus Christ in the flesh. We ate bread with him. We ministered with him. We were in part with him. He ministered to us. He washed our feet. Are you, 
Are you following this? John is saying we've had interaction, physical interaction with the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, this is the one that we testify of unto you, and that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship, so that you might have fellowship with us, but understand our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now within verse 13, John introduces his conclusion to his epistle, which he concludes in a similar manner to his introduction. Look at verses 3 and 4 again. That which we have seen, chapter 1, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And verse 4 says, And these things write we unto you, for what purpose? That your joy may be full. He says, So everything I'm writing unto you, John says, I'm writing for the intent and purpose that you might experience the fullness of the joy of this fellowship with the Lord. Verse 13, notice his beginning of a conclusion of the epistle. These things that I've written unto you. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Verse 4, and these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. Then he says, these things have I written unto you. Now he's saying past tense, I've done this. I've written this unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. So here John begins emphasizing the importance and joy of being in fellowship with God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. In conclusion, John emphasizes the assurance of eternal life for those who believe in the Lord Jesus. From John's introduction, as we've just looked in verses 3 and 4, and John's conclusion of the epistle, not completely concluding, but the introduction into his conclusion of the epistle, as he's closing out the epistle, we see from the introduction and conclusion of this epistle, we conclude that those who are in fellowship with the Lord Jesus will continue in fellowship with Him, and such a relationship with Christ is the evidence and confidence of one possessing eternal life. So again, it, I, I state to you that one's professed claim of eternal life is only as authentic and real and genuine as one's present fellowship and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Furthermore, it is the truth of fellowship with God which provides the confidence that we possess eternal life. Hear me. One, even a believer who is living in sin, when I say living, who is in sin, a believer will not practice continually practice sin in the sense as John makes clear here. So when I say living in sin, I mean who is in sin that is not confessed. Let me put it that way. A believer who is in sin that is unconfessed sin is not experiencing the confidence and the joy of the eternal life that he possesses in those moments I'm speaking. It doesn't mean he questions whether or not he's a believer. If you know Christ, you know Christ, and you know you know Christ. <laughs> But yet you forfeit the joy of realizing, again, the, the, you forfeit the realization of the joy of the fellowship that you have with God as a believer if you have unconfessed sin. If we are not confessing before God our sin regularly, recognizing our failure and His sufficiency, and that is the joy of the fellowship we have with Him, is His faithfulness to restore us unto fellowship that we might again experience that joy. Remember David in the Old Testament, which this context is different than ours, of course, because David, obviously, 
did not have the indwelling Spirit of God as do we in the same manner in which we do. And yet David said unto me, if you recall, in confession of his sin, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Restore unto me the joy. What is he saying? He's saying, while I have sin that's been unconfessed, I have forfeited what it is to know the joy. Now, David did not possess the Spirit of God in the same capacity as do we. He's Old Testament. We are in the New Testament. Christ has died, buried, resurrected, ascended, given us His Spirit. So we have the Spirit of God dwelling in us, but that does not mean that we do not forfeit the realization of that joy that is present when there's sin that is unconfessed. So we see that it is the truth of this fellowship with God and the reality that this fellowship is faithful. We are restored faithfully to this fellowship in its fullness as much as we can understand and experience in this life. We are, are, are restored into this fellowship with God through confession of our sin, of course. And this is the confidence of one possessing eternal life. The fact that I am in fellowship with God and that even when I sin and hinder that fellowship, I I used to say at one time years back, I would say broken fellowship. I don't believe a believer can break fellowship with God. I believe we hinder and forfeit fellowship with God. But the point is, we are still in relationship with Him and therefore there is still a fellowship with Him. It's just not as it should be. And thank God He allows us through His provision, to be restored unto that fellowship, as we would confess before Him, of course, humbly before Him, the truth of our, of our, our, our brokenness, of our failure, of our sin. And so, it is the truth of fellowship with God which provides the confidence that we possess eternal life, which consequently is the joy we experience of which John writes in chapter 1, verse 4. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. Now, what has he already said? Oh, that you might have fellowship with us. We are eyewitnesses of the, of the person and the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we declare him unto you, and we do this that you might have fellowship with us, and I, I will write all this to you so that you, your joy might be full. And now he says, oh, by the way, in verse 13 of chapter 5, I've written all these things unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, that you might believe on the name of the Son of God. And so the very joy of which John says, I'm going to write, he's now concluding, the joy is that you are, you, you know, and we'll look at what that means in a moment, but that you know that you have eternal life and that you believe on the name of the Son of God. So here is this joy of which John wrote. But notice, he doesn't just, he, he, between chapters 1 verse 4 and chapter 5 verse 13 are chapters 2, 3, and 4. And within chapters 2, 3, and 4, John is articulating the truth of the evidences that are present when one is in fellowship with the Lord, and when one is in fellowship with the Lord, we know that that fellowship is, it provides us the confidence that we possess eternal life. And so eternal life is not just mentioned right after John says, oh, I write these things unto you that your joy may be full, and by the way, you have eternal life. No. He says, here are a list of evidences that are the proof that you are first in fellowship with the Lord, 
And because you are in fellowship with the Lord, this is the confidence that we have eternal life. And so again, look, this is a beautiful thing if you're understanding. I'm attempting to convey this and communicate this in a manner that hopefully it, it, it is able to be received and, and in a manner you can understand it because this is a beautiful truth in this epistle. It's not a feeling we wake up with in the morning that is the confidence that we are have eternal life. It is the plethora of evidences that are present within the life of the one who's in fellowship with the Lord. And therefore, we know that we have eternal life. Verse 13, within this verse, John not only sums up John's purpose in writing this epistle, but it also explains, this verse explains the significance of the purpose and need for this epistle to have been written. He begins by saying, of course, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. So John's testimony of Christ is that we have seen, we've heard, I'm an eyewitness, we, we have experienced life with him. And then he goes on to say, and, and we've written this unto you, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. And the word know in this verse, it means to see, and it implies cognitive understanding. In other words, the word know refers to one possessing an intellectual understanding provided by the presence of information. Understand this, John has provided all this information. And don't be scared of the word intellectual, because this isn't saying we reason out salvation. It's saying everything needed for us to know and understand and to see that we are in Christ and Christ is in us according to the Scriptures has been provided within the Scriptures. And so God gave us a mind, and by the way, when we speak of the heart, see, we, we have done a great disservice here in in equating the heart to emotion and equating the heart to quote-unquote love. Because think about this, oh, even today, you know, oh, I heart you type mentality, right? Well, that's saying, that's speaking of an emotional experience that one has or an emotional feeling, if you will, that one has. But we must understand that God has made us intellectual beings. Has he not? Not just emotional beings. We are intellectual beings with emotions. We are not emotional beings with intellect. Let me explain that to you. You don't always... Okay, you have... Let me explain it to you in this fashion. You have, and I have, a desire to consume food. Let me simplify it for you. You want to eat, Right? And I want to eat. And to be honest with you, it is a feeling of hunger at times that brings us to a point to where we are desiring food. You say, oh, yeah, well, see, that's a feeling. So now you're dealing with emotion. But hold on a minute. There are times I feel like eating garbage, right? But my intellect prevents me from doing what my emotions desire to do. Are you following me? Listen, it would take me probably a lengthy amount of time for me to ever really get sick of Krispy Kreme donuts. I like Krispy Kreme donuts. I don't eat a lot of Krispy Kreme donuts. It's not because I don't feel like I want them. It's because I know better than to do it. Are you following me? So even when it comes to our very hunger and need to live, it is our mind, it is our intellect 
that is driving us to eat food, even though our emotions are involved in what we want, we know we shouldn't have, therefore we refrain many times, or otherwise, we would be a mess. Are you following? So I'm an intellectual, intellectually created being that possesses emotion. I'm not an emotionally created being that possesses intellect. And this is important, because John is not saying, oh, I've written all this to you so you might, you might have the feelings of eternal life. So that you can just look at your life and say, oh, well, as long as you wake up in the morning and you feel this way, then it's all okay. Are you following me? John is saying, I have provided everything necessary informationally for you to understand the spiritual truth of whether or not you possess eternal life by fellowship with Jesus Christ. Here's the evidence. And one of the things that is lacking today is this, and here's why, because we live in a sensationally motivated society, emotionally driven society, don't hurt anyone's feelings, all this stuff that goes on. And what's happened is all that mess has crept into the church. And I'm not talking about, oh, don't offend someone. I'm talking about even when it comes to understanding the truth of Scripture, it is based more so on our emotions than it is the truth that is presented to us that we are to go to study and commit ourselves to. Let me stop for a minute. Are y'all following me? Okay, I want you to understand what's being said here because John is not saying, oh yes, I've written all these things so you can know by all your feelings and all your experiences that you possess eternal life. It has nothing to do with that. The evidence is presented and we are to approach it intellectually with spiritual discernment. Now understand, I, I, I am out... I, confess unto you readily, embracing the truth of Scripture that Paul speaks in 1 Corinthians when he says, For the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit. They are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But hear me, spiritual discernment is not emotionalism. It's not feelings. It's understanding of truth. So the mind of man is not, or the heart of man, is not talking about an emotional cavity within man or an emotional compartment within man but the heart of man is referring to the innermost part of his being which involves the intellect the mind of man why does scripture tell us that we are to have a renewed mind doesn't it does scripture tell us we are to have a renewed heart now if it did it you ought to be referring to the renewed mind that's what it would be referring to but we are to have a renewed mind. The renewing of your mind. Put that we are to, that we have the mind of Christ. And so let us understand. John is saying here, I'm presenting all of all this truth has been presented unto you. And he says, Look, the basis of your fullness of joy, the root of that, and your experience of the fullness of joy, you realizing the fullness of joy hinges on you understanding that you have genuine fellowship with God and with His Son, and the evidence is the proof. The evidence, as I provide, is all the information that is necessary which proves you are in fellowship with God. And when you understand this, then you understand this also, I have eternal life. That means also, follow, I have eternal fellowship with God. 
Now, if I understand I have eternal life, and therefore I have eternal fellowship with God, how can I not have a life that is full of the joy of the Lord? Are you seeing the connection now? And so we must recognize that John here speaks of a a cognitive understanding and an intellectual understanding, but it's provided by the presence of the spiritual truth. So we conclude that John is explaining that he has written this epistle with all of the eight tests provided therein that one might be cognitive, that one might possess the understanding as provided by these means of examination of the evidence of authentic fellowship with the Lord. In other words, John explains that he has provided all the evidence by which we are to examine ourselves, which will establish or support the authenticity of one's professed fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So let me further simplify this truth. Here's what John is saying. The information provided by John leaves no doubt as to one's standing with the Lord. When you go through this epistle of 1 John, you know as to whether or not you are in fellowship with Christ. And John has provided everything necessary for us to understand, for us to see. When I say no, I don't mean just be confident, though that is implied as well in the sense of we know, we have confidence. But how do we have confidence? Not by some feeling. We have confidence not by something we've done. We have confidence not by how sincere we are. The confidence we have is provided through the understanding of the information that John has provided us of these tests, which are the results of fellowship with God, and these evidences are clearly overwhelming in one's life. Hence, we know. I have eternal life, not because I prayed. I have eternal life, and I'm confident that I have eternal life. I understand that I have eternal life, not because I'm sincere, I'm confident I have eternal life, not because, oh, I've, I, I'm faithful in ministry. No, I have confidence of eternal life because the evidences that John has laid out, I see the reality of that in my life because of Christ who lives within me. And that is your confidence also. And if you're placing confidence in anything else, it's no wonder we live in a world of Christendom today, so to speak, in which men and women and, and young people are in this spiritually, so-called, spiritually emotional roller coaster of so-called Christian living. Show me one example of that in Scripture. It's not present. Is it? Where do you find people going, oh, if I can just get back to church Sunday, then I'm going to be okay? What, what are you talking about? See, the point is, it's this emotionally, sensationally driven society. And it's in the church, predominantly in the church, so it would seem. Eternal life, which is the result of genuine relationship and fellowship with the Lord, is the joy of which John speaks in verse 4. It is through understanding that the evidence is absolutely overwhelming within the one who possesses genuine, genuine fellowship with the Lord that our joy is full. This is the means of the fullness of our joy. It is Christ, but it's understanding that we are in Christ, He is in us, we are in fellowship with Him, we are in relationship with Him, and furthermore, notice this, it is eternal. (laughs) This is never going to end. And in reality, it's just going to get better. Does that not bring you joy? Do you not experience joy because of that? And then John goes on to say, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God, through such confidence that our relationship and fellowship with the Lord is authentic, 
as proven by his word, we grow in our belief of who Jesus is and we grow in our knowledge of him. In the first portion of this verse, John declared, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. In the last statement of this verse, John explained, That ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. It is through faith to believe in Jesus that God has provided us a relationship and fellowship with himself. And such fellowship will cultivate a continued desire for a deeper and growing fellowship with the Lord. To know Jesus is to desire to grow in the knowledge of Jesus. And the more we know Him, the more aware we are that we know so little of all there is to know of Him. It is this truth that drives us to a greater desire and continued desire to know Him more. As Paul expressed in his epistle to believers in Philippi, that I may know Him. Philippians 3.10 That I may know Him. Throughout Paul's epistles, and Peter as well, they both write about growing in the knowledge of God, that we might have the knowledge of God. And what he's saying is that we might continue to know Him is the context. I'm speaking to my son this afternoon, Garrett. We had quite a lengthy conversation, and one of the statements he made, which is true, he said, you know, Dad, knowledge sometimes is simply a means to reveal our ignorance. (laughs) And the more we know, the more we become aware of how ignorant we really are. And if that is true in things of life, generally speaking, how much more so is that true of our knowledge of Christ? The more we grow, the more we learn of Him. And and here's the beauty of it, as a believer, it doesn't frustrate us that we don't when we, when we grow in our knowledge of him, it's not that I become more frustrated that, oh, I don't know more of him. I, I anticipate the potential and, the, and, and the, the, the experience, if you will, of continuing to know more of him. Because I realize there will never be a point in my life nor in eternity where I will ever fully know him, for he is unsearchable. He is, his ways are beyond our ways and His person is beyond our comprehension. And so that being understood, the more I grow and know of Christ, it creates in me and cultivates within me a greater passion and desire to even know Him more. But it also reveals to me how little I know of Him, especially compared to all there is to know. But the desire is there nonetheless. So John says, oh, I've written all this to you that you may know that you have eternal life. To you who believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the Son of God. <laughs> so we, we continue to see the truth of Christ unfold, of who he is. But it's from a position of understanding who he is, and that we possess eternal life because we are in fellowship with him. And the evidence of eternal life and fellowship with him is all in chapters 2 through 4, and even somewhat in chapter 1. And so John writes that ye may know. I've written this unto you, this is why I've done it that you might see, that you might understand, 
by all the truth that's been provided, that you are in fellowship with God. And because of that, you have eternal life. And guess what? When you understand that this is eternal life, which will be eternally in fellowship with God, that brings you fullness of joy. And that's what John is teaching us.